This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Base it loaded, one out. Infielders are sort of halfway at second and short. Pena in a jam. The Twins are going to win the World Series. The Twins have won it. It's a base hit. It's a one-nothing, ten-inning victory. Cobras and Fire. I'm your host, Luce Cannon, along with the disposable Baco. How are you, sir? I am well, Luce. Good to hear from you. How are you? I'm great. So, what did you want to talk about today? 1991! 1991. I was thinking like a year in view, something nobody's ever done. Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. Another High fresh concept. Off the, fresh off the fire. Cobra oh, yeah. and Fire idea. Oh, yeah. Nice and original, as always. Mm-hmm. Innovators, podcast gold, episode <laughs> number 40. So let's wow. do this. 40. What's, uh, what's kind of the, the history of 1991? The, what we've been told, the, the whole, what happened in this year, Baco? Well, the narrative typically goes that uh, uh, 1991 started out as uh, pretty much just roses and plum cakes popping out of the asses of... <laughs> Bands like, you know, Rat, Motley Crue, and Slaughter was just enjoying the right and high. And Absolutely. On, on their second, you know, Up all of, night. Yeah, Sleep man. all day. And they're getting ready to do some, I don't know, what's, what was it, Wildlife, their second record? Whatever. Man, it's killing it. Yeah, so it, all things were good. And then all of a sudden, these three little assholes from Seattle come out, release a record, and then boom, Bobby Blotzer's buying vending machines. <laughs> Everything would have been the same. Rat would have just continued to be exactly as successful as they had been for the previous decade if Nirvana had never released that one record. That's God. the narrative. They are so pesky. I can't believe that those guys just ruined bit. it. Ruined it for the whole Sunset Strip. Dirty, stinky, coffee-drinking bastards. God, I, so, I, I bet they really wanted to kill that guy at that time. 
You know, I, I don't think at the time. I think I would, don't you think it would maybe a couple years later? We'll go, yeah. we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. I don't think they knew at the time. No, nothing <laughs> like a little suicide humor. So uh, we'll move past that. <laughs> <laughs> and we've hit rock bottom in two minutes. So, so all right, new let's record. move past there. New, yes, wait, yeah. new personal best. <laughs> new personal best. <laughs> oh man! All right, so yeah, so that's kind of the the theme that we've always been told. I've I've heard that on a billion podcasts. People tell me that is the year that just like a big bottle of Raid killed hair metal dead. Right? Yeah, that's exactly how it's uh, sold. How, it, how it's often yeah sold is a good way to put it. I mean, okay. So what, what, before we get into that and get into the whole thing, uh, why don't we just start, you know, now that we just moved from something a little more uh, a little, uh, off color, I should say, why don't you go to kind of that list that you put together? Because, you know, uh, how much research did we do for this show? Oh, tons. You know, I, I, I love these episodes, but man, it's so much work. <laughs> Tell me how much work it is, Baco. How much work, how much time did you spend Doing this, 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 this whole. Well, I spent at least eh, looks like about seventeen pages of printer, but most of that's ads. Okay. And my work paid for it. Uh, hopefully, they aren't listening. Uh, and exactly. I did it at work too, so I was like, good, paid, paid to do it. So, so who cares? <laughs> well, but yeah, no, I mean, whatever. I mean, we 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 approach things different. Obviously, we're having a little fun with our uh, our uh, our gold. Uh, what, what do you call that? Your sugar daddy. Uh, the mother, the mothership, the mothership, the, the, the Decibel the, Geek, because they, I don't know, have they done it? Any type of urine review episode? I'm not really sure. I don't think so. So this might be an idea they might right. want to take. take yeah, from but us. well, they might want to use this then. Uh, good, good. Uh, Break it down. But, but uh, well, here's another idea I had. Since we're looking at 1991, why not talk about what things cost back then? Sure. Why not? Um, well, everybody loves that. A Russian mail order bride would have ran you about five thousand dollars in nineteen ninety one. Reasonable. Yeah, not too bad. I mean, compared to today's prices of about five thousand and twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a healthy baby on the black market would run you on average about forty thousand dollars. Decent. Yeah. An ounce of marijuana at a remarkably well priced one hundred and fifty dollars. Solid. Excellent. <laughs> I'll, I'll look the- into that. A DWI, a DWI. This is just at the beginning of Mad and Sad and Dad and all that stuff. <sighs> you know, so many just, acronyms. A paltry four hundred bucks compared to now. That is a bargain if you're going to drive drunk. <laughs> um, Continue. <laughs> if only I could get the DeLorean and, yeah. and go back in time with Vince Neil. But Vince Neil is my co-pilot. I'd, yeah, well, in '86, killing somebody with while driving drunk or what? No, it was '84, '85. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah, there's a little bit of inflation there, but man, yeah. I mean, come on. That's the time Vince could just continue. Yeah, thanks. Who could, I 400 do, bucks. I had to do some, some uh, <laughs> what, I can't do what is that voice? That's a terrible impression. That's Vince Neil. <laughs> I had to do some <laughs> this is Vince, Vince Neil. <laughs> Rock <laughs> vocal power. All right, well, a compact disc, which we would call a CD back then, would yes. run you about 14 bucks, and you could actually sell it back to the store for about 4 bucks. I think I just sold 400 CDs for $10. <laughs> that sounds about, I think that's what I got on eBay, and I was happy to <laughs> yeah. get that. Um, anyway, uh, tickets to a Steelheart concert, surprisingly, were pretty much cost what they could do now, whatever, the, whatever the headliner was charging. Yes, okay. Um, a fake ID was only thirty bucks, and a pound of bacon was a buck eighty-eight. Solid, good. Thank you for that little, uh, you know. Oh, that was a great history lesson, Baco. Excellent, excellent. Kind of wish so, I was there now. Say again. 
I just wish I could go back and uh, buy myself a ma- Russian mail order bride, a black market baby, and drive drunk with them in the car. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yes, we all have our dreams. So <laughs> why don't we, uh, you know, before we get into the agenda that we kind of set, where were you kind of in this? This I know you're a few years older than me, but 1991 is, where's, where's Baco at this time besides getting out of jail? <laughs> well, uh, largely well-behaved, but I um, I was a freshman in college at the beginning of 90 to 91, so it would have been my second semester. I was about to get dumped by the love of my life, who she is such a whore. Okay, fair um, enough. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I was, just, you know, I, me and my uh, uh, high school buddy, uh, who you're about to be neighbors with, uh, relatively speaking, um, we would uh, just, we would do laundry, and go hang out at a record store across the parking <laughs> did lot. You actually, did, did you actually just mention to me that you did laundry with your roommate? Yeah, oh, yeah, but the, the, the reason was that like it was in the same... We would go to this one laundromat specifically that wasn't really the, the closest one to our house because it had a music store in the same... They shared... A, it was like a strip mall, but they were in different you know parts of the strip. And we would gotcha. walk there, and, and we would basically... We became like those assholes that the guys in the store get sick of. Um, yes, because we would we would buy plenty of music, but not when you put the the amount of purchase per time spent in the store, it had to be pretty distant. You know? <laughs> but uh, no, it was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of a lot of drinking and hanging out with friends and doing college stuff. Um, and just I don't know, you know, digging a, a whole lot of stuff. It was a great year for music, if you ask me. And um, it, it actually is. And now that we, you know we were talking about this, leading up to it, just kind of looking back. There's was, there was so many key parts of my life that I can tie to music from this, this just one year. Um, so, fuck it. It was great. Yeah, that, that's... Oh, and I drank a lot of old Milwaukee. Uh, I, uh, and, and in preparation for this uh, <laughs> show, I am wearing a hyper-color t-shirt, and my Doc Martens are tight as shit. Nice. Yeah, I, I think that... that uh... Both of us pretty much had the same fashion uh, choice and hats per, per the uh, the graphic for this. this I've never episode. been a hat guy, so it's kind of odd that you found one. <laughs> Both of us have are wearing it the improper way, like to the side or backwards, yeah. or it, it's quite ridiculous. But mine, mine was corduroy. Was it corduroy? Yes, yeah. I think mine was some kind of plastic, shiny material. I don't know. It looked good, but man. Uh, yeah, it was solid. What about you, Luce? What was a young, backwards, red hat wearing, loose cannon doing, <laughs> running around the Hoosier State in 1991? What were you doing, man? What were you up to? Well, sure. So my uh, hometown is West Lafayette, Indiana, which is also where Purdue University, the fine institution, is located. And it's my senior year of high school. And, you know, I decided, uh, besides it being uh, me remembering, and part of it that I, I, I that I tie into this year a lot is there's a lot of basically stuff that I certainly remember that happened. First off, it's the transitional between high school and, and college um, going to Purdue. So that's there, but, and you know, that you got that going on, but the main thing you're is, you're a boilermaker. I'm learning something. That's, that's correct. That's correct. And, and you know, what really, you know, makes me remember this year a lot. And it was great that there's so much good music is because you bust my balls a lot of the time that I purge a lot of stuff. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, we're like polar opposites there, right? Yeah, you're a hoarder. I'm a yeah. purger. Yes. Do you know why? I'll tell you why. This will help you of why it's easier for me to purge. A little bit into the psyche of Luke Yes, Cannon. yes, That's yes. Let me hear it. 
basically there was a, and I don't know if it affected, it had to, well, I don't know. I know the winners are horrible there all the time, but the, uh, but yeah, sure. So in 1991 though, in Indiana and Illinois, there was an ice storm that basically shut down, um, Indiana at least for about 10 days, no electricity. It, it was all the stuff. And, and so everybody, um, basically had their, their fireplace going all the time. And, and essentially I'll just, I'll just break this down real quick. House, everything I own, nothing that I own is more than 25 years old because our entire house burned down in 91. So everything we weren't, no, I wasn't breathing fire like those Gene Simmons pictures. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, it was something where basically, you know, the fireplace was, was being run all the time because nobody had electricity for like days. So it caught on fire and we actually went out finally because the, the, uh, the roads were paved, and when we came back, there was three fire departments. We went out for like showers and we're, you know to bathe and stuff. We came back, boosh! All this music and everything that I've collected and all that stuff you hoard, it's gone. So I don't have as much connection to it as you. So does that help you? That's an amazing insight. I had no idea. Yeah. So my point being is that that. Um, I realize the only, but but really when it breaks down, the, oh, there's only a few things that that really um, that I miss, and that was kind of like you built your collection. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're a kid and you build it up until 17, bigger, I had, yeah. you know, the uh, you know you you get all these. You start <laughs> whenever you start collecting all that 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 stuff. You know, you finally get you get the the job that gets you the good stereo, all those kind of things. Um, that's why I just don't have as much attachment to stuff. Yeah, uh, but but the music is the biggest thing that I miss because I built like the whole like whole Van Halen discography, Kiss, right. all that stuff. You build all that stuff and it's gone. Like shit, I got to start from day one. But it's just not the same when you get it again. So wasn't that fun? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's weird because like my my um, penchant for not letting the stuff go has a much tragic, much less tragic reason but a, a similar result and but it's nothing to do with 1991 so no i hear you so that's why 1991 is def- i definitely remember that year because everything's gone so the um but what, what did survive was my my um uh 1981 buick skylark that i was driving around in so that was pretty nice <laughs> well uh i i can uh, confirm that uh uh our conversations have inspired me to kind of like let go of uh quite a bit of stuff in the last year or so but you know what I'm not gonna let go of? I'm not gonna let go of the rock of 1991. And I will, I will put to, to, I will just say this right now, and I think it's a an easy statement to make, is that 1991 is probably no, not probably. 1991 is the biggest year for rock, hard rock, and rock in general, ever. It's, and I, I will tell you, in, in hard both, to argue. In both, in both it's, it's critical, critic, yeah. well, my definition is, is in both critical and commercial success for hard rock bands or rock right. bands in, in, so in with, general. So with that specific definition, anybody who wants to uh, uh, counter that point, do so under that, guys. Yeah. I mean, you can't really argue with that. I mean, let's just look at, and 1991 is known as what? The year that grunge killed hair metal dead. That's what you always hear, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. Okay. So it's our argument and it's our kind of um, purpose, our mission statement for this podcast, this episode, 
to just kind of break down about that 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 what you what we've been told is in, in, is not really what happened that year. We it maybe happened the in, year that Rock lived. Yeah, <laughs> the year that Rock lived in '92. The year that Rock lived. '92. Slowly, the shift happened. '93. But what really? But before we go into kind of the releases and everything like that, and just kind of revisit some great music and everything. What really happened to hair metal? Tell me what happened to hair metal or happened to, to hard rock in general. Sure. Um, uh, well, let me just uh, break it down like this. This this is what happened to hair metal. Extreme, Nelson, Mr. Big, White Lion, Poison, Enough's is Enough, Whitesnake, Firehouse, Steelheart. It, it pains me a little bit because I mentioned bands that I actually enjoy there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, me too. I like Extreme. But, I like Poison. But, but the reality... The reality is that, um, I mean, it really is more of like, instead of like a, a bullet to the head, uh, gr- gr- if, let, let's, just, let's just use the term, term grunge and just accept that's how we're going to describe it from here forth. Grunge was more of a, like, a rising out of the ashes or some kind of like secondary, it was almost like a necessity like like almost like a purging burn that was started like they they were the ashes after the fire because like you know you got to remember like Guns N' Roses broke and then all of a sudden you had you know and by the way this stuff happened ahead of it like Motley Crue came big and they're largely responsible for warrant and poison you know it's mm-hmm. it, things get lighter and lighter more polished and more commercial that's the way things work it happened with grunge too but Dangerous Toys, L.A. Guns, two bands that I love, but they really were basically signed to be Guns N' Roses. Let's see if we can't cash in on this 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 thing. And but that whole thing had been kind of dying. I mean, bands like Dokken had really, you know, kind of outlived their welcome. Rat released the same record six or seven times. Can I can I jump in here real quick? Yeah. Basically, there's good music and there's shit music. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, there's a, there's an in-between. There's, there's an in-between, but yeah. what I'm saying is that at some point, you know, and, and that's what we're going to – we'll go into is there was tons of, of great releases from bands that – that. I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, for with every, every uh, genre or whatever, over time, just like, just like whatever you want to call it, grunge – Hair metal killed hair metal. You mm-hmm. had like the third yeah. Co- cousins. Yeah, grunge killed grunge. Step- I mean, let's yeah, and, and, and same with same with hair metal. I mean, what you have is the ultimate, like the peak is like your trickster, if you want to put it put <laughs> yeah. it there. Like it yeah, goes I from have, I had trickster on the list too. Yeah, so it's a, that's like the peak of basically. Let's, if the, you open the, for Kiss after '87, you're probably part of the problem. <laughs> I can see that as well. But yeah, I mean, it basically, even if there hadn't been another big thing that came out or whatever you want to call it, and I'll even go to the fact that I don't, I don't even agree with the term grunge. And let me tell you why I agree with a Seattle scene or or something like that. But, but if you put someone into a room and you didn't have journalists and you didn't have (laughs) um, record executives, you didn't have media telling you what something was and somebody put on a Soundgarden album, all I ever thought of... (laughs) <laughs> I know, but I'm saying that if you put on a Soundgarden album, I'll, I would hear about the first thing I thought about was, God, these guys some got some great fucking Tony Iommi riffs, right? This, this, yeah, some indeed. Sabbath, yeah, and be like, this guy's fucking kick ass, and 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 then if somebody came in and 
and do that again. If somebody came in and said, here's Nirvana, what Run. would you say? <laughs> You'd be like, be like, all right, this sounds different. You know, this, this, this Don't you think the di- big standout to your point, though, would be Pearl Jam or maybe Alice in Chains? Yeah, well, both of those, though. I mean, each. Okay, let's say that. I think you know, there's a little just, more overlap, overlap in uh, in um, Soundgarden and Nirvana as far as a tone. I don't. I think Nir- there's, Nirvana's I think there's more some... punky, but like just something about the. I don't know. No, I think Soundgarden is. I'm losing my myself on this topic. So. That, that's fine. I mean, I think Soundgarden has more. Um, is tighter to Alice in Chains than, than any of the other ones because they're both kind of those. I Alice do now too, so fuck it. <laughs> okay, well, fine. And then Pearl Jam doesn't even have any of that DNA to me. I mean, this you know Eddie Vedder has a unique voice, but but they're, they're I think they're inherently more of a classic rock inspired band. So my point being is that they just painted the fact that they're in the same area, just like the L.A. bands. They just yeah, said here's right. here's this and, and these the, guys. And by the way, the L.A. bands did for the most part have a more there was more cohesiveness to their sound as far as like saying this band is all this is the la sound then i think out of, out of seattle early the second phase was basically i mean because you even had like you know it, it wasn't the second phase wasn't even seattle it was now bands like seattle bands it was like the Lemonheads and and the pumpkins and I, i'm not ranking these bands or, or saying right. good or bad but just you know it was kind of that thing so so let, let's go to, to proving uh, proof positive that 1991 was a great year for rock. So let's just just pull any release out of your ass right now that that came out in 1991 that wasn't grunge. Was there any number one albums from hard rock bands that year? Well, I think Skid Row was number one that year, right? They were they were <laughs> yeah. the first uh, actually uh, heavy metal. It was after a sound scam, by the way. It was the Correct. first time a hard rock band had ever gone number one, which proved that all the uh, uh, whatever the, the 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 Billboard charts for record sales were all tied into politics and 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 whatever. Once you had actual computer data, the first hard rock band to release a record that year goes to number one. Yep, and I remember that being huge, and and seeing like. Uh, you know, Sebastian Bach was in the cover of Rolling Stone. They had that was a a, a a huge like it was just. I remember that being a a, a a kind of a testament to to like proving you know to me that this this stuff that people were listening to this this music right. Get the fuck out! Get the fuck out! Get the fuck out! Get the fuck out! <laughs> Now, let me ask you this. You bought the record when it came out, yes or no? What? Yeah, day of release, 100%. All right, man. Um, did you get the get the fuck out version or the, what is it, Beggar's Day or something on the other one? I think it's I funny just took the hand that. on which one I got. Yeah, I have I have Get the Fuck Out, and my, my uh, buddy, friend of the show, Rob, he uh, – he has the one he with went Beggar's, to Walmart. Beggar's Day. Yeah, pretty much. He got he got the Beggar's Day one, and he loves the Beggar's Day. I didn't hear Beggar's Day until probably a decade later. I just, yeah, I, yeah, I, didn't, I, didn't. I heard it pretty early on because my roommate was one of those nerds that like had to have both, so he would actually buy the entire record again just to get one song. Um, but I wouldn't do that until I had more disposable income later in life. But sure, uh, I don't like the song. I like Get the Fuck Out much better. Yeah, I. Uh... I actually go Beggar's Day now. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out! Get the fuck out! Get the fuck out! 
point being is that you can't really mess with that record. I mean, what are your thoughts on Slave Five the Star Album? Yep. And for all you people that are not here from um, the uh, the Mothership Decibel Geek, definitely check out the albums Unleashed with Michael Wagner. Oh yeah, it's a fucking uh, such a fun listen. Yeah, it's a great listen. So definitely check that out. But you know, it's just hearing the background on that. But but Slave to the Grind. I mean. I'm going to throw this out, and I, the one album track that never, I, I will never skip is The Can Threat. Can I get? Oh, my God! I wrote The Threat down! I'm going to take a picture of it and text you! <laughs> Hold on, I'm, I'm going to turn up the sound on it so you can hear it. <laughs> well, just just the thing about The Threat, and we're going to play it right now for you for you people, uh, is that drum roll. That? The drum roll in the beginning. There's oh, I see it. There it is. All right, man, whatever. Yeah, I didn't know that we were actually going to introduce the songs as we went. But yeah, the threat, bitch. Realize 
loose? Did the threat make you sweat? It did. I am soaked in rock juice. And I w- so whew, You only get oh so much God. rock juice. That's true. Then you got to go to sleep afterwards. So, yeah, let's, let's just move forward. I feel uncomfortable, as usual, with you with this kind of conversation. So we're going to go and, you know, well, it's your turn. I mean, this is the year that rock died. So, you know, why don't you let me know another another band that just was just, just obliterated in the year 1991. <laughs> Well, I thought about touching on Motorhead, but I think if you want to talk about proof that um, grunge didn't kill anything, because I eventually want to actually talk about some of these so-called grunge bands, but Ozzy released No More Tears, and it is a fucking pretty good record, man. I'm not sure I would say it's best or maybe top three, but uh, it's the second one with Zach Wilde, and it's, um, it's, I don't know, it's got a lot of really good stuff on it. I mean, com- but commercially, it was massive. Oh yeah, is, it, it was, is this his biggest selling one? Oh, it I might, think it is. It right? actually might be. I don't, well, no. Remember, his first two were pretty big, and even Bark at the Moon was like three or four million. I don't know. I it's still think there, that this though. one, this one might be the biggest though, just because a couple of those singles are just massive. But you know, I, I do think it's 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 as iconic um, as far as like uh, that. Diddle-dum, boom, diddle-dum, boom, oh diddle-dum. my god! I mean, that, that's, that's that's up that's, there with uh, oh, yeah. Crazy Train, and you know, as far as songs, you know, that people like when you hear it, you know, it's Ozzy. So, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, that, by the way, it, not yeah. that big a fan of that tune. Wow. Yeah, that's one of my favorites by him. But the, but overall, I mean, that album it definitely hasn't aged as well as that. I remember. I remember loving it. And, uh, that year, but that, again, that, that's another one that just—I didn't just... get it for. Uh, uh, there's no way I had it in '91. I got it in '92, um, and then I couldn't believe how much I liked it. I yeah, kind of no... checked out of Ozzy, but right, no, and and I was always more of a Black Sabbath fan than than Ozzy solo, and uh, he brought me back in with that album. I mean, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got my dog. Hold okay, on. you have a dog. Ozzy Osbourne never recovered uh, with his release, No More Tears. Uh, oh, nobody bought it. Um, I can't believe the album wasn't bigger. Yeah, no, it's uh, obviously it was a big record for him. And another sign that grunge didn't really destroy. It was more like if you sucked, you didn't have a future. But if you released something good, it was, it was going to be okay for you. It actually did okay, yeah. It's just like it's just like another hand in the bush. Yeah, another. It was just like that was brilliant. I love <laughs> yes. you right now. Thank you, thank you. But yeah, I mean, again, an, another artist that that was just brought down by the man, the man named Grunge. And you know, I mean, that's you know, I'm trying to think of a, a, a track we can feature, but that you know, there's just so many. There's great songs on it. You got it, definitely it. It helped uh, Lemmy's uh, bills for the next 25 years, right? I mean, he had, <laughs> yeah. he, had, he had at least two. I remember going through that. Yeah, because he, he uh, co-wrote Mama, I'm Coming Home. And, uh, and Hellraiser. Hellraiser, yeah. There might have been a third, too. And I'm sure if there's any fact bastards out there that can help me with that, I don't have the liner notes in front of me. But I remember looking at that and seeing L. Kilmeister <laughs> and, and being like, what? I cannot believe he wrote this yeah. song. You know talk, what I mean? Talk about um, two guys... Uh, on the opposite ends of the uh, making money in music spectrum. Yep. And, and they always maintained a, a pretty solid relationship. Like, 
Uh, it didn't seem like Lemmy ever felt ripped off by Ozzy, which is seems to be a hard thing to do if you've worked with Ozzy. Right. And um, Ozzy maintained a, a pretty good friendship with him that, that actually seemed pretty genuine. So, yeah. The uh, any other news while ripping about, him off, Ozzy. <laughs> what now? While ripping him off. No. <laughs> any other news about Ozzy? Um, well, did did you hear he's getting a divorce? I believe so. And he's got a new reality TV show coming out. What are the odds that those two news items come out at the same time? <laughs> I'll tell you this, though. When, when I saw the whole news report about the fact that Ozzy's lost, <laughs> we can't find him. Yeah, I, was like, he, I he, love he, that. Uh, yeah, I was like, Ozzy's not lost. He's hiding. I mean, that, that, that lady. Uh, anyway, so that's exactly what I would do. <laughs> that lady. You would never see me again. I'd be just gone, vanished. But but uh, moving on, what's another um, possible artist that, that suffered a, a quick death in 1991? Oh, well, I know Metallica kind of took a big step back with the release of the Black <laughs> Album. Oh, I cannot. I mean, that was a commercial failure. It was like, it was like, it was just like, it was just music poison. I, I always felt guilty for liking it, like because it was like one of those things. It's like I wasn't cool because I liked it. Like it, <laughs> it, it's like I was the only one. I was like, seriously, guys, it's not that bad. Yeah, I, I, the the black album. For, first off, I was looking at it was hard to find. I don't know why it's so difficult to find the actual. Like you can always find the the total sales to date for an album, but I can't seem to find how much uh, online. How this mu- one how much barely sold twenty million. <laughs> but that yeah, I was trying it, to find out it, how much it, it sold like, that year. It crawled to a paltry twenty million copies. Yeah, it would have been a hundred million. But yeah, exactly, it, if it weren't for yeah. Nirvana. Yeah, it wasn't for those damn Nirvana. <laughs> damn it! But uh, yeah, it I mean, Gibbs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean. It was number one for I think five or six weeks is what I the only the, at from the, best. The, the research at <laughs> best at best that year, and you know there's I'll give some props to one other podcast called Rock and or Roll, which uh, our friend Joey from Rock Strikes Ten guested on. They did a they revisited the Black Album, and they made some really good points. I mean Joey um, was good. If you look at that, I think. You do you still like it in retrospect? Yeah, or no? Yeah, I do. You do. Okay, I think that a lot of the songs just lack a lot of um, melody. Like, there's a lot of the things that are. Well, that are like it is lot... Metallica. No, 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 no. I'll just tell you this much: the Black Album. I will go on record that I might even like Load more. What do you think hmm. of that? The well, first Load, not not Reload, which is the. The after uh, spray on the sheets of Load. I mean, it is just horrid that one. And I know Load was a huge departure, but but for Black for me, the only the only thing that holds up for me for Black actually is I don't think any of the deep tracks, aka the not the what five or six singles that they put out are any good. Mm-hmm. What, what are some deep tracks for you on that album? Oh, my friend that? of misery is a great song.
Okay, that one I'll give you. That one's good. What besides that, though? Do you like Don't Tread oh, on Jesus. Me? I don't have it fucking... Si- nah, I never like Don't Tread on Me. Good. What about... That's the song uh, that Kid Rock used, right? No, that's sad but true. That's sad but true. I never liked that one either. Really? Okay, so that was one of the singles. Um, what about... Uh... <laughs> See, you can't even recall them. Well, it's one of the biggest, it's it's one of the biggest albums of all time. years ago. We're going to fight now. Ah, this is classic Cobras and Fire. Um, yeah, <laughs> if you like Load Better, yeah, that's kind of fucked. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed I, Soundgarden quite a bit. <laughs> they had a record that came out in, in 1991. A little uh, Bad Motor Finger, right? What do, you, what do, you, do you like them? You like that record? I do, I do. And, and the first song I ever heard was Outshined. And yeah, same here, actually. I mean, just just to say, until people told us you had to, that's the thing I wanted to talk about, too, for this episode, is the whole bullshit of picking sides. You never should be have to qualify, hey, I like Pearl Jam, even though they're a little different, or even though they don't wear spandex, or even though they don't do this, this song is really cool, or whatever, when you're talking to somebody that, that liked it. I liked all this stuff equally. I had a double cassette jam box that had Skid, Ro- <laughs> Skid Row's... Um, debut album, right? Another one would be, you know, Alice in Chains facelift. I'd have Soundgarden with Metallica or Van Halen or whatever. I never thought of it. And this is before because, like, Soundgarden and Alice in Chains, both of those were out before the quote Nirvana Pearl Jam at the end of the year. I think. Mm. I don't have that right in front of me, but I could, in my mind, I can yeah, Nirvana remember. Nirvana was late. It was like, yeah, it was like the end of the year. Yeah. I think it was, I think I looked it up and it was like September or October. It was yeah, near something the end. Something like of that, the, yeah. But like, did you think when you heard these bands, though, that they were, did you not think that they were just hard rock? Or what, just, honestly, what did you? Yeah, what, I mean, it, Nirvana I heard before all of it. Um, really? You didn't even hear. Oh, so you didn't even hear Soundgarden or Alice in Chains before Nirvana? If I did, it just it didn't stick. didn't hit. Let's, it didn't yeah, hit. let's okay. put it that okay. way. Um, and I never really got Nirvana. I, I did buy the the Nevermind album, obviously, but it it just never really. I was like, yeah, I get it, I guess, but uh, it, but Soundgarden. I when, when I got into Soundgarden, Outshined had been out for a while. When I got into Alice in Chains, I it was after I saw them like like that came out in ninety and I saw them on uh, the Clash of the Titans tour with Slayer, Anthrax, and, Metal- and Megadeth, and they were the opening act and they were great. And then about two weeks after that, I uh, I saw or heard the the song Mad in the Box, which I yep. had heard many times prior to that, but just whatever reason it just didn't soak in. But now that I had seen them and I had a reference point, now I was paying a little more attention. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Um, And I think, you know what, there is a certain truth to that grunge killed music. And that's in the sense of, like, I I think there's more, it's more, the music is coming from a more genuine place when we're talking about the the big three or four, if you want to call them that, of, of the early grunge movement. I do think Nirvana, um, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, and I don't know who would, Soundgarden would be the uh, the big four. The big four, if you want to call them that. Yeah, and and they definitely do from a um, a fundamental belief in what they're doing and why they're doing it. There's more validity to their their music than there is from Rat, who I love. 
or or bands like Warrant or Poison or Slaughter that are kind of more or less following a very specific formula. And these are people who got good at what they did and just really never really had this, I don't know, this inbred passion for it that you felt with this, this first wave. But again, this was caused by them. It was like almost a reaction, you know, it was like an opposite reaction to something that was existing. But um, Soundgarden was one of my favorites. Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, probably my two favorites. And then it would be uh, uh, Can you go back to that Clash of the Titans tour real quick, though? Now, when you saw them, I think you mentioned this in another episode, though, but did they kind of blend okay? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is Minnesota. We're not mean to anybody. Uh, So they they came out and um, and for me... Like I had no idea what to expect, so they were great. Uh, I I I didn't I, I didn't actually notice this. Like oh well, they're done now. It's like this thrash stuff. Um, but no, they, they were fine. Um, and Lane Staley was just amazing. Sounded so good, and just just listening to how tight this band was because visually they were about as dull as you can get. Yeah, but uh, they were uh, they were they were tight and they sounded great, and I loved it. Yeah, and, and, and I'll say that, that and I don't have – again, we didn't do any research. In my recollection, I think I saw – and we'll go into uh, – we'll, we'll bounce back from, from, from this here too is I think it was 91 or it might have been 92 that I saw Van Halen and Alice in Chains together. Oh, right, yeah. And, and, yep. and, and I never – and I know it was before Dirt because Dirt would have been when they did – No, it definitely was because it was on the uh, – Fuck Tour. Uh, fuck Tour, yeah. Okay, so, but I never thought this is so bizarre. Speaking I can't of which, these. since we're talking about 1991, if you ha- if it's okay with you, I'm just gonna quick open a Crystal Pepsi. Oh yeah, Crystal Pepsi. <laughs> you make a little reference to Extreme there. No, that was uh, Van Halen. It did right now. They uh... was that Crystal Pepsi. Yeah, right oh. now, drink Crystal Pepsi. Oh, I did not know it was Crystal Pepsi. Jeez, that was a huge failure. And Zima was awesome too. <laughs> exactly, a lot of a lot of clear liquids that died, but but yeah. So, but I didn't. My, my point is that when I saw them, I didn't think, "Gosh, this is so bizarre that they're putting this this band with Van Halen because those are polar opposites by by any right." I mean, yeah, but imagine being that one guy in treatment who's there because he's just super addicted to Zima. <laughs> I don't even understand what you're talking about. Oh, we're talking Van Halen. No, Eddie loved uh, uh, Alice in Chains. And uh, I remember Jerry Cantrell told a story that, like, I don't know, he was just, like, holding Eddie's gear and said, oh, this is really nice. And then, like, after the tour was done, he got home, and there was all this, like, free 5150 Eddie Van Halen gear just sitting in his garage that Eddie had sent him. So Very cool. I, the only interview I remember about Eddie Van Halen and Alice in Chains was he said, he said, yeah, Alice in Chains, I really like them. They have really really simple riffs and their music is so simple. It was almost like insulting what he, what he was saying to him. But, uh, did you ever know. read that? I, I, I think, um, I think he didn't mean it insulting because it sounds like, uh, he was a pretty big fan. That's cool. Well, let's talk bad motor figure. Yeah, go ahead. So yeah, so go back to, to Soundgarden. Well, bad motor figure. I mean, like what did you, I mean, everybody knows like, you know, rusty cage and outshined and, uh, God, well, Jesus Christ pose gets talked about a lot, but yeah, I, I didn't mean, like. I never liked that one. I still haven't. I mean, I, still I, like, I it. like the. Well, yeah, I think it's okay. I, 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 it's okay, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that is the uh, the one. So why, why don't you? I'd be okay if they skipped it live. Right. 
Yeah, no, I like I like the and, but, and overall, I don't know, like like I'm not sure which one I like better. I don't know if I like that or Super Unknown. I'm gonna probably say Bad Motorfinger, but uh, what's your? Man, like, they're both right pretty awesome, aren't they? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I'm I saying. actually really like Louder Than Love a lot. But yeah, uh, that one not overall do do I like, but it does have some great great tracks on that as well. beginning by the way of of loud love where like the the guitars going wah, 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 and then like it just kind of melds into like a wah, and then all of a sudden chris cornell's voice wah. One of the greatest intros in rock history, but Bad Motorfinger. Um, I don't know if you're asking me to pick something. I don't know. I like somewhere. What do you think? I wish to wish. I dream to dream. That song. Yeah, that's cool. Searching with my good eye. What's the? Yes. No. Let's do that one.
if that doesn't make you strap on some Doc Martens, some cargo shorts, and a sleeveless flannel, nothing will. This wraps up part one of Cobras and Fire 1991 Year in Review. Part two will be coming soon. And in part two, we continue to make the argument that 1991 is the greatest year in rock. And we will never say that about another year. I can almost guarantee that that is a lie. Anyway, up in part two, we talk about, you know, everything from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, L.A. Guns, Great White, David LaRoth. I think we touch on a little bit of Primus. I don't know. All sorts of good stuff that solidify the fact that, you know what, it may be a little bit of revisionist history uh, to blame uh, Nirvana for everything that happened to, I don't know, uh, Pretty Boy Floyd. Anyway, see, from uh, for Loose Cannon, my name is Baco. Thank you for tuning into Cobras and Fire, and we'll see you on part two of the 1991 Year in Review. Bye-bye. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. I'm dead. My mom is right there. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at IntoHistory.com.